Hi, I'm Pete Price, and my podcast today is with Mark Palios, the owner of Tranmere Rovers. We're talking gay footballers. We're talking about booing the national anthem and abide with me. We're talking about pitch invasion, but most importantly, we're talking about what happened in Paris. Tear gas, pepper spray, children, women, people being refused entry with tickets. What happened? What does Mark feel about it? He owns Trammy Rovers. Join me now with Mark Pallias talking football on my podcast. Liverpool Live! Ladies and gentlemen, I asked Mark Pallias to come on my show about a week ago. Never thinking for one minute, I wanted to talk about how he felt about gay footballers, how he felt about pitch invasions. But then what happened yesterday in Paris brings it even more prevalent because this man knows football inside out. Mark Pellias from Tramir. Hi. Hi, Pete. Mark, let's start with what happened in Paris. Uh, are you shocked? Are you angered? What's your thoughts? Uh I'm angry. I mean, clearly, Pete, what I would say is that I wasn't there. Uh, in other times, I have been involved in, in incidents such as at the Euro, uh, cha- uh, the Euro finals in um, um, in 2022 or 2021. Uh, so I was right there when they were storming the gates. There, I was also in Italy when I was baton charged by police as a uh, an England supporter. So, uh, and I was also, well, of course, when I was at the FA, um, I saw the way in which we tried to make sure that Euro 24, uh, uh, Euro 2004 went off peacefully, which we did, and we were voted the best fans in the tournament. Uh, and it is a combination of things, and it is about the way in which things are policed. I, have, I wasn't there last night, but from what I've seen from the reports, there's clearly um, a lot of questions to be asked, and Liverpool have rightly asked for a full investigation of it. I mean, it is the way you police things is massively important, and... Um, when we were at Euro 2004 and there was threats of kicking England out, um, it was always about us trying to sort of manage the actual local police. It was in Portugal, and basically Southern European police have two two elements to them. They have the civil police and they have a paramilitary police, the gendarmerie or, or um, the uh, carabinieri, etc. And uh, the Northern European police, as a generalisation, tend to accept the principle of low-profile policing. I think the most disturbing thing is there are, you know, sensible people making comments, uh, such as the Merseyside police, whom I respect in, in these matters, uh, and they were indicating that, you know, the fans weren't late, as is alleged by UEFA and, and the, the French authorities. So I think um, really disappointed, um, really concerned, really, because, you know, we're talking about uh, 2022, and I know that it's 2004, you know, we were then talking about trying to persuade people to police low profile and that a bunch of England fans singing and dancing is not a riot unless you want to make it one. What I can't get my head around was I watched um, a very interesting report on Sky Sport where he, the guy showed where 20,000 people had to go through and it was the size of a small wall. It was nothing. And they were searched, yeah. their phones, tickets were uh, checked, they were searched for booze. I, I can't get my head around that, Mark. Yeah, no, the, the, the cordon of sanitaire that you have around places like this, you know, I think in, in Portugal there were two, and so, you, you know, you manage the flow. 
And again, it's, it's disturbing because of, of all fans, you know, Liverpool fans have got Heysel and they've got Hillsborough in their history. You know, they'll be alert to that. And, you know, the reports from the police, for example, is that the, the vast, vast majority were well behaved. But if you put fans in a position like that, when there's frustration getting into a stadium and it's getting close to kickoff, and that's the whole raison d'etre of people being there, then you, you will actually cause um, probably more chaos than, than, than you'd expect. But um, again, I was in Italy when this was happening, and it was all about the ingress to the stadium and how you manage that. It's massively important to the whole context of you know what happens in terms of crowd safety, etc. So, you know, fundamentally, this just needs to be looked at. My concern is that UEFA and the authorities immediately came out with comments and tried to attribute blame. Well, you know, let, let's just respect the fact that Liverpool sensibly asked for a full investigation as a spirit of Shankly. So, you know, that's the thing to do. Um, but the, the main thing is to say, well, look, you know, until we get that, um, and the circumstantial evidence is, 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 is pretty much overwhelming that it was badly managed. Without any shadow of a doubt. The other thing I can't get my head around, and I'm talking to uh, Mark Pallias, uh, the boss of Tramway Rovers, I can't get my head around of why was it the Liverpool side and the Liverpool end and not the Real Madrid end? Yeah, I, I don't know, but Gary, Gary Lineker made uh, a particular comment around that. He was there and he said that when they sort of formed up at the end of, at the, end of the game, they, they put the police... Um, opposite the Liverpool fans when, and he said there was no hint of trouble at all from the Liverpool fans so um, you know one wonders whether it, there's a there's a phrase in psychology of the, the effect of set on perceptivity which is, which is a posh way of saying you see what you expect to see and you hear what you expect to hear so um, you know again something that needs to be questioned as to why that happened Could you believe pepper spray and tear gas? No I, 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 it's so indiscriminate. It's so ill-targeted um, that to use that on on what was clearly, you know, a mix of fans with children, uh, women, innocent fans, you know, uh, and and that's the worst thing in all of this. That, that um, you know, when you look at that, you say, well, who on earth authorised that? You know, there wasn't a riot, and 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 to 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 start using that kind of stuff. I'm not a security expert, but no. But we never came anywhere near that in, in the um, in the control of clouds in, in 2004. This isn't going to go away, is it, Mark? Well, I hope it doesn't on the basis that, um, you know, there needs to be some accountability. And, uh, you know, as I say, I wasn't there, so I'm only looking at what's been reported. Um, but to look at you know, and to hear the tactics of baton charging into cafes and things like this, if that's all true, then... You know, it's completely against you know what people were arguing 20, 30 years ago in, in how to control crowds. You don't come dressed as Robocop. Uh, you keep whatever you've got in terms of possible riot control, and this wasn't a riot uh, by all accounts. Uh, you keep that hidden away and uh, you call it if needed. Um, but, you know, from what's been said, it, it doesn't bear any resemblance to what I would call low-profile policing, which was as accepted as the way of stopping escalation of things. But again, there are two separate issues. There's, there's, the, there's the trouble away from the ground, and then there's the trouble actually at the ground. And this sounds like it was very much, um, it, it was very much a failure 
of the control of, of the crowd to getting them into the stadium, which is one of the basic things you've got to be able to do. I said on Sky News this morning when I was reviewing the papers um, and I looked back at the videos and I kept getting flashbacks of Hillsborough. It looked at one stage very scary, Mark. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, and that's, to, to, in one regard, that's what makes it all the more frightening for the people who were there at the time. And then to see the whole thing um, exacerbated by the use of pepper spray, etc., which causes people to run and, and, and to act in a way just to get away from things. It just, it, it just beggars belief in that regard. And as I say, uh, it, it shouldn't go away because, you know, if lessons haven't been learned over the years uh, and it does appear that they haven't, then that should be that should be outed. Um, and my big concern is the immediate sort of allocation of blame onto the Liverpool fans who, as I say, have gotten their history to major um, disasters and would be more, uh, more aware of what can happen than I would say your regular sort of other clubs fans. So for me, it's something that just feels completely wrong. I can't imagine, and you're a football fan in your life as well as being an owner, but I can't imagine standing outside a major game with a ticket that is genuine, not being able to get in, going all that way. I can't imagine, Mark. Yeah, totally frustrating and, and more than frustrating. Um, devastating. I, 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 and, you know, one of the Liverpool players, uh, he's given a ticket, which is obviously a, a bona fide ticket, to, I think, a member of family or a friend. Um, it, it, that friend or member of the family was, was not allowed in on the basis they said it was a fraud, which <laughs> it clearly isn't. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, just, it just seems an absolute fiasco. Mark, did you watch the game? Yes, I did. When you watched the game... What was your reaction before we knew what was going on with all those empty seats? What were you thinking? Uh, I was thinking probably the same as everybody else. Oh, no, not again. And, you know, uh, our people, people were presumably, because, you know, it was a sellout, were presumably still outside trying to get in. So, you know, clearly, you know, there was that element of, of, um, of understanding that there were, there were problems. And it's terrible when you're at a game. And the word goes around saying there's, you know, there are problems outside and delays and stuff like that because you immediately think of, you know, the, the, the horrible events that have occurred when that's happened at games. So, you know, in that regard, from from a football fan's perspective and from a human being's perspective, um, it, it's very, it, it, it sort of detracts and distracts and rightly so from the event itself. Mark, I asked you initially to come on the programme, which I was very grateful you have come on, but to talk about pitch invasions, because we saw what happened at Everton, and it now seems to be the norm where pitch invasions are coming back. Now, you own a fabulous club, a very successful club. What's your views on that? I think, um, you know, I've said it a number of times, the the, the difficulty is when you get um, fans en masse trying to get onto the pitch. Now, it is illegal, um, but at the end of the day, it's very difficult to police that from a club's perspective unless you do something like isolate a, a number of rows around the pitch. And uh, then you can sort of control people coming through through vomitories and stuff like that. So um, 
you clearly don't anticipate that and it wasn't anticipated at the start of the season so people wouldn't have done that so clubs for example there are practical difficulties of implementing that now because they've sold season tickets and you know and if you if you start to look at that you disadvantage certain season ticket holders if you applied it on a sort of you know one-off game or whatever so the 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 issue is that it, it took people by surprise I think there is uh, an element of copycat in it and uh, that is uh, something that I think is very easily exacerbated by uh, social media, which we have today. So you have to respond to that. I think that the, the big difference, though, Pete, is that in my day, when I was a player, there were pitch invasions then, not, not many, um, and certainly not with the frequency that we've just seen over the last few weeks, which, as I say, I think is an element, there's an element of copycat in that. The big difference is that you know players and staff were getting abused and assaulted. And yeah, that was never the case. I, I was never in fear of anybody assaulting me when there was a pitch invasion and fans were running around you and past you and so forth and so on. I was in fact attacked at, uh, at uh, Watford, um, but that was after the game and I was in my suit and you know I was down in a, in a telephone booth and I was attacked by Watford fans. But that was part of the, the, the off-field um, environment in those days, um, but it wasn't just me as a player. Um, but on the so that's the, that's the major difficulty, and it's got to be dealt with because um, as an employer, uh, and as the unions for the players and for the managers will say, well, if you can't provide a safe working environment, then you know we're not going to work. Uh, ultimately, I don't think that will happen. I think it will be addressed. Um, I think yes, you have to ban people and ban them for life. I, at least I would have no hesitation in that, um, and. But I think you've also got to get to the point whereby fans realise that whilst they've got the natural exuberance, they shouldn't demonstrate that by running onto the pitch because it gives a, a platform, it gives shelter to those who want to come on uh, you know, and perpetrate these basically illegal acts, these, these um, uh, attacks, this, the violence, etc. that we've seen towards players. Uh, so ultimately you've got to get to the point, I think, which is a little bit like you know in our day, drink driving was almost socially acceptable and you got it to the point where it wasn't you know smoking in, in offices was acceptable you got it to the point where it isn't and I think you've got to get to fans and say look you know celebrate by all means um, but don't run on the pitch simply because the, the, the minority the few that are there uh, at this point in time are, are, are perpetrating acts of violence and GBH etc so I, I think you've got to get to that now if that means um fans realising that if they invade the pitch, you know, they will be excluded from watching a game or the next games or a number of games, uh, then so be it. Because at the end of the day, there has to be a, a significant change in the behaviour of, of the crowd and in the behaviour of the majority, because that's unfortunately giving the minority the platform to do what they want to do, which is none of the majority accept, and, and, and they do accept that it's wrong. Mark, what was your opinion and and your opinion in general on the booing of the national anthem and abide with me and William when he got booed? But the national anthem and abide with me in particular. I I, I find that difficult, but then you know that's my personal view. Um, I, I understand uh, there is almost an anti-establishment uh, view on Merseyside for a variety of reasons. The way it was dealt with in in the Thatcher era, Thatcher politics. Uh, the way in which there is a, um, uh, clearly a, a 
suppression of the truth around Hillsborough, etc. So I mean, that that you know a lot of people hold that view. Um, I personally think booing the national anthem is the wrong thing to do. Um, I think doing it and doing it to the family of the Queen in her jubilee year is, is wrong. Um, and I like to try and keep the politics away, you know, because I, I am actually quite a proud Briton, I'm a proud Englishman, um, and you know, some of the, the best moments uh, in my career were standing to attention during the national anthem uh, when I was the chief executive of the FA, because you know that you know, that that was sort of almost it was hairs on the back of your neck, and the English fans were there, and, and they were proud to be English, and the the the, the, the stadium was was bedecked in in, in crosses of St George, etc. So, you know, for me, I, um, my personal view is it, it's it's the wrong thing to do, and a lot of people disagree with that, and, and they're entitled to their opinion. Uh, it's interesting you say that because also abide with me. Uh, if they did their history, the fans, they would realise that it was sang uh, uh, to people who were going to war and when they were coming back from war. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you, you've got me there on that one. I don't buy that, but uh, again, it, it, it's. I, I think sport um, is the time to bring out the best in in, in people, and uh, you know, and. If, that's why they do try and keep politics out of sport. It's virtually impossible. I know that, uh, and, it, and it becomes very nationalistic, etc. Um, but you know, I, I, Liverpool is in England, uh, and whilst people don't think it benefits from it, Merseyside's in England. Uh, you know, I, as I say, this is a question of politics. I, I probably have a different view of people. Um, I'm not saying what my politics is because you know it certainly isn't what people would expect it to be. Uh, but I still think that the national anthem is, is something that we shouldn't do. And I think that you know when England fans boo the national anthem of other countries, I, I find that difficult because you know that then sets people against us. It doesn't actually work to our benefit anyway uh, in terms of the, the sport of the game itself. So you know I think that's wrong. I think you should have respect. The sport teaches you respect. Couple of questions and then I'll let you go. I've got to ask what your views are uh, with Everton versus Liverpool. Only I ask that question is I remember the Derby games when I was younger, and I'm older than you, but I remember the Derby games and they were fun, but still uh, competitive, but fun. Now it's in a different and a totally different level. I, I, again, Pete, you, you got the drop on me there because I don't. I don't go to the Derby games specifically. Um, I, you know, I know that there's the animosity. I think one of the, I keep on blaming social, anti-social media on, and if, on, from the point of view that I think it's very easy to raise a posse around an issue, yeah. an idea, a behaviour. And on top of that, I think that it's very easy to get to extremes. So the more sort of um, middle-of-the-road opinions very rarely get expressed. Uh, and it, and it's it, it 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 it's it's something we've got to learn to live with. Just as we have to learn to live with the facts and you know the motor car and everything else as technology moves. And I think social media has, has, is one of those things. And I think it's insidious because it, it can actually cause great division. I think um, if you go back to the um, not so long ago when people were talking about a super league, and there was a potential there for Everton to be excluded from it. And I, I, I think you just need to look at that and say, how hollow would Liverpool fans' lives be, and Everton fans, if they couldn't have these derby games, if they couldn't have this 
week on week um, competition and banter and so forth when they go in on a Monday morning. Now, whilst it's been a bit one-sided because of the success of Liverpool in recent years, um, I think if you take that out, you take a richness out of the sport and take a richness out of the city. Um, and you know, I'm all for the rivalry. I'm not for the hate because it isn't about hate. Uh, it's about rivalry. It's about respecting the fact that you you know you're playing a sport, you're playing a game. Uh, and I, I think to some extent, at times, that has been lost in a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Mark Palias, just one more question. You and your lovely wife and Tranmere have done so much for the community, so much to put back into the community. You've got an amazing club. It's great facilities, great grounds. You're doing so much to help. You must be, and you, you're progressive. Both of you are progressive. You must have been thrilled to see, but also a little bit apprehensive, or I was apprehensive, to see a footballer from Blackpool coming out and saying, yes, I'm gay. Yeah, I, it, was, it was only a matter of time. And I think that, um, you know, the lad himself, he'll have done it in the knowledge. People call him brave, and, and, and that's right, because he'll have done it in the knowledge that, look, we've just been talking about what is a very partisan sport and a very high-profile sport. And, that, and those two things together make it a sport whereby, you know, people will use it as a platform to do this and that and the other. But equally, on you know, on a match-by-match basis, the fans and the opposing terraces you know, they will try and take every advantage they can to sort of put players off, et cetera, and so forth. So, you know, he almost certainly will 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 receive abuse from from sadly from from opposing fans. So, to to do that, that was uh, that was that was brave. Um, and in terms of where we are, um, you know, it, it's 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 difficult at times. When we at Tramway, we allowed people to put the um, the rainbow flag up. I was accosted by somebody on the way out who was a devout Christian who told me he couldn't come anymore because of the fact that, you know, these people had a flag up, etc. Well, you know, the answer was if, if he wanted to come and put um, a, 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 a religious flag up, I was more than happy for him to do that. I think the fact of the matter is the, the, the inclusivity that's gone around uh, society these days is such that um, it, it's almost, uh, I think within the game itself, it will almost be a non-event in the terms of it won't really make much difference to you know the players who, who train with him, play with him, and you know they'll, they'll like it in the sense that you know they'll understand that he's made a stand, and uh, you know it's something that he personally will have to take on the chin uh, until other people step out and it becomes absolutely normal. Are you happy with the way Trammer is going? Yeah, uh, we were disappointed. Uh, I was disappointed uh, not to be in the playoffs, at least. Um, but, you know, my view of... I was asked if, it, if if I felt the season was a failure. And I said in the recent Q&A, well, if you, if you say it's a... If, if you want to define what, what's a failure, you have to define what success is. Well, you think about it, for lower league clubs, what I call the, the community clubs... Um, you've only got four chances of success of potentially a cup run and that is to get promoted out of League 2 into League 1 so um, that means there's probably about 30 odd managers who would be defined as a failure so I think that success is having something to play for in the last few games of the season something positive to play for which we've always had um, and I think that uh, you know in that regard it's a success if you if I went to the um the uh, end of season dinner, and uh, I thought, well, this is going to be a miserable affair because we never made it. But then I was sitting there, I was watching 
the you know the, the videos of goals of the season and the absolute elation on, on the faces of fans when goals and goals go in. And you think about it, you say, well, actually, there's nothing else on the world that actually does that. But, you know, seven thousand people plus many supporters outside uh, who don't go to the game. You know, once, twice every few weeks, uh, and you know what does that? So, uh, the club is is successful in that regard. Uh, are we on the right track? Yes, we we have to still digest COVID, but there's lots of stuff to do. We've got big projects which we want to push through, um, and I think in the next two years, and we also change the way in which we 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 are developing players, which I've been trying to get to ever since I came in. Uh, and we're starting to see that now with the likes of Glatzel, who came from Liverpool, uh, the likes of um, Warrington, who came from Everton. Uh, we have players from uh, Glasgow Rangers and Glasgow Celtic. Uh, so we are hopeful that the new way of doing it uh, will bear fruit. Mark Pallius, thank you so much for joining me. So why not subscribe? Hey, it's free. All the podcasts, we'll send them to you. Liverpool Live!